you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The Around the NFL podcast is bringing in Tim Tebow for a workout. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Happy Monday. Mark? Hello. Good to see you. Again. <laughs> How's your Monday going, Marky? Uh, it's fine. Marky Mark? Got the... The brilliant 6 a.m. start thanks to <laughs> new leader David Ely. Should wow. It's getting to the point maybe we need to get Ely up here. Maybe I thought you always liked the grievances. 6 o'clock. Well, you like 6.30. You like 6.30? No? You like the early starts. If you say so, Greg. <laughs> Back in the day. You're in charge, buddy. I'm not in charge. Um, you once was. I once Once was. upon a time. Um, I right. did enjoy that I, I sent something about the BOSA extension. Uh, I mean, the Bosa signing, spoiler, you know, making us ponder the meaninglessness of uh, of life. And multiple people responded that they thought Sessler had taken over my account. Wow. Mark, how about that? You kind of have you own. It's like what? Corner. It's like what? I can't make an existential claim. I, I agree with you. Greg. I, I want to be like, on that corner, too. Well, I think that we all at this point basically speak exactly in exactly the same way and are starting to tweet in exactly the same way. So. I you did know, notice it's, it's wrong. It's wrong to say that Greg says something it should be someone else. We spent so much time together now over the years. Like I was reading a what we learned last week that Wes wrote the lead, and there was something like a a comprehensive failure. That that's like a Sesslerism as well. Mm. Sessler loves comprehensive. Sessler's got a lot of influence. I did not come up with the word comprehensive, though. I'm sure Wes had heard of that word <laughs> previous to us meeting. So. I, Mark Mark has a wonderful way with language. Some of that does seep into all, all of our consciousness. Whatever. But comprehensive is a word I've been using since I was. <laughs> there <child>. you go, <laughs> Mark. Has your uh, ego been stroked enough at the top of the show? I don't. I didn't ask for any of this. Uh, today is uh, yes, the Monday edition of the Around the NFL podcast, sponsored uh, by no one uh, 
but here's the thing. Beloved by, you know, some people. Beholden to no one. Yeah, that was a little rough. Uh, nice show today. Nice and si- simple. Keeping it nice and simple. In honor of the end of the TD era, we're going to do a tight 54 today. That's the goal. I'm going to write it down right now. Week three, the preseason recap. Uh, we'll go through all of the games that took place from Friday through Sunday, uh, which, well, there were four on Thursday, right? Two. Two. Four teams. That's what I meant. That, that would be Got accurate. that right. So, 16 minus two, 14 games to talk about. Nailed it. Home no. run. How many teams is that, though? Oh, no. Team. Pretty easy. Times two, 28 teams. <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it. So we'll talk about all of those uh, 28 teams and what's going on in the league. Uh, and we will also uh, talk about what's going on uh, in the news with some uh, injury, a big injury update uh, to talk about, uh, as well as a big NFL controversy. So that is today's show. Uh, before we w- get going, I want to say, by the way, speaking of the influence that we have on one another, my fantasy draft was uh, on Sunday. Nobody cares about who picks who, but I just want to say, Wes, that I took David Johnson, seventh overall, thought about you, thought about your face and your body the whole time, uh, and then it's a two-quarterback league. Daddy went and got himself Marcus Mariota a little later. I love the look of your team. I don't need to know the rest of it. It's no. going to do well just with those two guys. The rest of it was kind of my guys that I like. I also took two Browns. And I will Why? say this. I will Corey Coleman I took and Duke Johnson later in the draft. There was a Browns opportunity to be had. <laughs> Because nobody Mark rolls wants. his eyes. Those no, are, I don't. No, I would say nice players. I think that's Wait, good that's faith. That's making on your the part. leap guy. That's a good faith on your part. But I think taking Browns players in fantasy is probably historically a bit dubious. But, but if you're trying to get ahead of the curve, which is part of the fantasy draft, are the Browns going to score some points? I think they are this year. Well, they're going to give up some points. We'll that's fine. I don't care about score. that. Yeah, yeah. W- whether they're good or not is beside the point. But anyway, so that was fun. Um, <laughs> let's uh, do some news uh, with the Irish. And hey, Irish, by the way. You were studying some of the, the, the world map of our listeners. And by the way, thank you to everyone that listens to the podcast. Uh, we have now officially, this is our greatest listenership month ever. Do we have any type of celebration music? <laughs> yes, it's kind of uh, off, off the cuff. Thing. You know, <laughs> we're not allowed to thing. play music. We, the, the shadowy league figures are in one of their, um, you know, holding phases where all of a sudden we can't play anything that we want to play. Yeah. Wait, like, this can... would be perfect hey, for Pon uh, Hey, uh, shadowy league figures, just because you started listening to the show again doesn't mean we got to cut all the songs out. Don't you even have – you have a library of, of jingles where not, nothing at all celebratory for that kind of data update from Dan. Ooh, actually, Cesar holding Irish's feet to the cold. No, there. I'm just – I mean, not a single – I'm asking in general. These people are saying we can't play any music at all from any in-house library or external. Well, you know, what is the point? <laughs> if you do remember, I made a drop of Greggy Goes Dallas. That was all in-house stuff, and even that got axed. <laughs> well, that was because it was inappropriate. We'll keep drawing hundreds of thousands of listeners while they tie concrete cinder blocks to our ankles. <laughs> wow. Okay. This, has got a, this went a little too far. Uh, but uh, what is the update you have? This was our greatest listenership month ever. Uh, tell us more, Irish. Well, I was looking at our, you know, we have a lot of worldwide listeners here. and Cut to the chase, buddy. We have six listeners in the Vatican City State. Holy so, see. And Mark, can you, wow. ex- can you explain what that means? Well, I mean, it's, I don't, I'm not a, a Catholic scholar or something, but it's a, it's a it's a territory inside 
you know, the holy city. Where, where the Pope lives. Yeah, I mean, basically it's where the Pope the Pope's would a be listener. roaming around. There's the Pope's a chance listening. the Pope listens to the podcast. Do you think there's some smoke, like plumes of smoke that come out every time we release a show? Mm. Every time Tr- uh, Tremaine Pope runs for three yards <laughs> or Leonard Pope catches a touchdown? <laughs> I think it's what's very possible is one of the Pope's kind of henchmen yeah. listens to it, like down the brick hallway, and the Pope can hear it. Echoing. Uh, yeah, he's wondering what is, what and is he, And he's like, gosh, Kristen Michael again? Enough, yeah. guys. Move on. Who do you think's on the Pope's <laughs> fantasy team? <laughs> I don't a know. bunch of Cardinals. Oh, hey now. Nailed it. Terrible joke. Let's do some news. (laughs) My role models are artists, merchants. There's less than 10 that I can name in history. Truman, Ford, Hughes, Disney, Jobs, West. We were just talking about the Pope. Now a guy thinks he's God. Kanye West at the VMAs yesterday. Um, Let's do some news and we'll start. You know, they used to say the at the old Cowboys stadium, the, the hole in the roof was so God could look in on America's team. But how about now? Where's your God now? Because Tony Romo. <laughs> that's, that's for the theology podcast. <laughs> Coming up next summer, everybody. Hold tight. Uh, Tony Romo is injured again. Uh, we talked about on Friday's show how maybe he dodged the bullet after taking that uh, really uh, crushing hit from Cliff Averill. He did not dodge it because Jason Garrett announced Saturday that Romo underwent an MRI on Friday, revealing a broken bone in his back. Uh, Rap Sheet reported that Romo's best-case scenario is returning by midseason. It's a compression fracture of his vertebrae, a different broken bone than the one in 2014 where he had the transverse prosthesis. Remember that? That was a fun time. Yes. Anyway, the hope is Romo returns after the bye for the team's Week 8 showdown with the Eagles, here's Jason Garrett. We're confident that he's going to be coming back and playing for f- football for us this year. And this is just, you know, we talked at length about Romo on Friday and about how much football he might have left in that body. And then here it comes. Now Dak Prescott's a starter, Chris Wessling. And Tony Romo has to be thinking to himself, how much longer can I be doing this? Well, the word out of Dallas is that he's thinking he can do it for a few more years, that he's not thinking retirement at all. I think all of us who have watched him play think that he might be getting toward the end of the line. But uh, Jerry Jones came out and said that this is not a – it's hard to believe this would be a Tom Brady, uh, Drew Bledsoe type of situation, that Romo will get his job back. And and I think barring some miraculous six-game stretch by Dak Prescott, that's what's going to happen. I mean, but Stephen Jones, days after this happened, came out and said that there is a possibility (laughs) – if it played out a certain way, that it would be a Bledsoe like to Brady if, changeover. Dak, and that make, that seems very realistic at this point. What if Dak Prescott takes this play from the preseason and they're 5-2 and two in late October and he has a passer rating of 104? Like, you going to bench him for Tony Romo? It, it, it opens the window for a real possibility that Prescott can uh, Brady uh, Tom, Tony Romo. Nailed it. Well – you have to wonder. First of all, you ask where God is. He's starting quarterback for the Cowboys, Dak Prescott. Yeah. He's going to be the governor. He's taking over. Uh, people love Dak Prescott. But the bigger thing for me is, is Tony Romo really going to be healthy in week eight? Why do we trust these timelines? Why do we trust that when he comes back on the field that he stays there? I mean, maybe he will. But if if you're just looking at 
the recent track record, you should expect that he won't come back or that if he does come back, he's not going to stay there necessarily for long. And it's going to be tough for him to take hits, which are a big part of playing quarterback in the NFL when you're 36 years old. It it just, you know, it bums me out. I, I hope that he comes back and, he, and he's great because this is a situation where you could see Dak kind of keeping the ship afloat and the offensive line and the running back and everything is set up so well that Romo could come back and be a hero. And it's, it's possible, but it's very possible. We've seen the last of Romo as a, as a top level guy. That's possible. I think when I look at this situation, as opposed to previous seasons, when you had castoffs and rejects like Brandon Whedon and Matt Castle, Kellen Moore masquerading as legitimate backup quarterbacks, it's no surprise that the Cowboys didn't do well, but in this situation, if you could pick one offense for a rookie to step into, it would be the Dallas Cowboys offense. Absolutely. Behind that line, throwing to a 10-time Pro Bowler in Jason Witten, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL in Des Bryant, and Ezekiel Elliott, who looks like a special player. It, it, I think it is important to note that st- exactly to your point that Stephen Jones said that at this time around compared to last year, we're not going to sit around – worrying about when Tony gets back. I think that he that, that Dak Prescott, for any rookie quarterback, this is about as good of a situation, you know, their defensive side that you could find yourself in. But it is absolutely the setup for a changing of the guard if mm. Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott, their new version of triplets, blow the doors off. And now that may not happen. You, I don't think you just say it, a rookie is going to be there mentally the same way Tony Romo is come week one, but there is a real possibility. Let's move on and talk other quarterbacks. Trevor Simeon did it, guys. Uh, the former seventh-round pick will be the starter for the defending Super Bowl champion Denver Broncos when they begin their season against the Carolina Panthers a week from Thursday. Um, in his last uh, preseason game, he com- or he completed 27 of 43 uh, passes in three preseason contests, two of them starts, uh, 62.8% com- completion percentage with one touchdown, two picks. So he wasn't dominant, but, uh, Greg, that speaks to just how bad uh, this competition has been in terms of production. I think Simeon has lived up to whatever modest expectations they had for him at the beginning of the summer. And what we've seen in the preseason has confirmed that if he has a weakness, he's too safe. Uh, He made a couple nice throws, I would say, in his preseason game. He had a couple three and outs where he didn't get to throw the ball at all. He made uh, one really bad. You know, he, he has promise. I like what I see out of Trevor Simeon, so it doesn't shock me that they're ready to get rid of Mark Sanchez because what's the point of Mark Sanchez? If you already have the future in Paxton Lynch and you have a higher upside guy that's also safer and young in Simeon, why why bother keep Mark Sanchez? I've heard people call this a major upset from the time in when the offseason started, but if you think it's a major upset, you haven't been listening to Gary Kubiak since April and May when every time he's mentioned the quarterback situation, he said Trevor Simeon. And, it, and Simeon is his hand-picked guy in the draft. Mm. Yeah, and, and, and Kubiak has talked about Simeon being in control of the offense. That, okay, you're right, but with Mark Sanchez, you know what you're going to get. Th- this is this is someone that Kubiak clearly trusts. I mean, and sounds like when, back when it's in April and, and May, maybe it's lip service, but at this point, he's also been their best thrower on the field. I mean, he's not perfect, but like the throw he made to Demarius Thomas – Beautiful catch, yeah. but I mean, he's got the best chemistry with Denver's starting offense of all the quarterbacks he, there. He looks off some defenders. He he shows some things that uh, young quarterbacks don't always show. I I I like what I've seen out of him. And to me, it, the the Broncos aren't about their quarterback. They're about everything else around it. That's the same as last year. Here's what Kubiak had to say about Mark Sanchez and whether he had a future with the Broncos. 
Mark has done a great job throughout the course of the offseason and training camp. We're in the process of putting this football team together right now, so that's going to take up the next three or four days. <laughs> Hardly a glowing uh, I mean, assessment of the man's future. And that's at, that's and the answer to the question, will Sanchez be on the team? So he couldn't have been more ev- evasive. Well, it would be a shock if he is. They can save $4.5 million if they cut him, and they get their seventh-round pick back from the Eagles. Mm. I wouldn't be surprised if they bring in another veteran quarterback that started some games in the, in, in the NFL. Not to challenge the start, but just, just, have him in the room. just to be there. And who knows, in, in case of emergency. Because people wanted Paxton Lynch to push for the job, but he really didn't do it in the preseason either. Um, are you guys prepared for Geno Smith in the AFC Championship game for the Denver Broncos? Why would the Broncos want him? Just get ready. That's all I'm saying. Little tease, little look into the Go future. for the next quarterback from the Jets that washed up entirely. <laughs> uh, moving on, the Joey Bosa contract standoff. Oh, my God, finally is over. The Chargers announced Monday that they have finally signed the first-round defensive end to a four-year rookie contract. One's, ends one of the ugliest holdouts uh, we can remember, especially in this era in the post uh, CBA, most recent CBA, which is supposed to wipe out these type of holdouts. And they have for the most part, with, but for Bosa, it was a, it just stuck and went on and went on. Mark, what happened to finally get the deal done? Well, the Chargers gave the number three overall pick the largest signing bonus for any rookie or veteran in team history. So whether or not they bent on all the little nitty-gritty of the contract stuff from a week ago, they certainly bent in this fashion. And there was an agent that changed as well, right? Yeah. The Chargers got their offset language that they were holding out for. So that's one thing. But I don't know. I still what took so long? Was it worth it? I don't, this is a guy they have been targeting since last year to draft. <laughs> there were high fives in their war room when the Eagles traded up for Carson Wentz. This is the guy they've been salivating over. And wh- why didn't you sign him a month ago? Well, so you'd have him ready to go for the season. Well, that w- that's the thing. There was always so little room between the two sides. I think that was what got got overlooked that there was there was almost nothing between the two sides and yet who's really going to care in week two or three if he's playing 50 snaps and and is playing well do we really think that it's going to ruin Joey Bosa's rookie season I don't I mean he's got a couple weeks here get up to speed and if he's a great player he'll be fine I'd be more concerned if it was you know when the Rivers holdout with the Chargers happened that's a quarterback and that's probably a lot harder even terms of team leadership to jump up this I think is split the locker room on some level from what we've heard and there are people pro and not pro Bosa and what he did but you're right if he comes in and he's pushing the pocket in week one like he's just doing what they brought him in to do yeah he's got two weeks to get ready we've seen rookies who barely practice their entire rookie offseason because of injuries or whatever you know he he was in the building as they built the defense throughout OTAs and mini camps it's not like he's coming in fresh this should be forgotten in a month and if not, if it's still popping up, that means that the schism was way worse than anybody thought. But it also means I don't think we'll think about well. it. Yeah. Well, that could be possible as well. But he seems like a polarizing personality as well. So now you drop him back in that room, and we'll see what happens. Uh, Do we have a breaking news drop? Sure. Marks Browns acquired a fourth-round pick in exchange for a punter. Wow. Celebration music? Nope. That means Andy <laughs> Lee is worth more than Barkevius Mingo. Well, I like that deal. Well, I, I think Hunter his NFL, for a fourth rounder. His NFL career has proven that out that Andy Lee is. He's one of the best punters in the league. <laughs> more valuable than. Uh, well, if you watch the Panthers game or any of their preseason games, you can understand why they felt desperate to get a punter. 
Their punters were atrocious. Fourth round pick, though. That's pretty wild. It's a high price. But if you're a Super Bowl contender, you can say, oh, all right, well, we shored up that area of our team. Well, and last year they acquired Andy Lee as the central cog of their offense. <laughs> it was we're going to punt the ball 140 times, and he's the best going. Hey, this is Sashi Brown just once again. Uh, Sashi. Proving, proving his dominance over the NFL. You know, they, they traded him for a seventh-round pick last year, or they acquired him for a seventh-round pick last year. Now Sashi comes in. He gets a fourth. He's three rounds better than the old chumps. They're going to have as many picks the next two years as the Cowboys got after the Herschel Walker trade. Yeah. Does that mean the Browns are going to win three Super Bowls in the next <laughs> seven years? Let's worry about winning three games. Here's the thing with all those picks. How many wide receivers did they take other than Cole? Well, th there's year? an issue here because three or they four had too many wide receivers. And how many have stepped up? Right. Zero at this point? Well, they haven't had the chance for early snaps. So you're right. You have to maybe keep trading. You can't bring in 17 rookies every year. Uh, moving on. Finally, a uh, big old hashtag controversy broke out in the NFL this weekend around Colin Kaepernick, the 49ers quarterback who uh, – it. This is something that had been going on, but it was only noticed now uh, that he's been refusing to stand up for the playing of the national anthem in protest of what he deems are wrongdoings against African-Americans and minorities in the United States. Uh, he did it in at least one other preseason game, but it was after the 49ers preseason loss to the Packers at Levi Stadium on Friday night uh, that Kaepernick spoke out, and he actually spoke to Steve Weiss. He had this to say, I'm not going to stand up to show pride in a flag for a country that oppresses black people and people of color. To me, this is bigger than football. It would be selfish on my part to look the other way. There are bodies in the streets, and people are getting paid leave and getting away with murder. The uh, 49ers then released a statement, essentially um, playing both sides of the fence, which they had to here, saying that you know the it's an honor to be able to uh, be a part of the national anthem, but we it, you have the right not to be a part of it if you wish. Um, what are your initial thoughts to the whole controversy, Wes? The American flag is a symbol. It means different things to different people. The national anthem is symbolic. It means different things to different people. We can all take what we want for, from it, but Colin Kaepernick also is a symbol of the American dream. Biracial kid, adoptive, grows up, 4.0 student, could have gone pro in baseball or football. Who's, who's more representative of the American dream than Colin Kaepernick? I just find that interesting that he kind of – he's talking about an issue that's on a lot of people's minds and a lot of people view it in different ways. I'm fine with him kind of taking a stand and having people – having this awareness on people's minds to discuss an issue that's very important right now. On one hand, it's kind of a, a brave notion to, to do this, especially at a time as a player where he, has, he could not be in a, uh, a weaker position – uh, it leaves him wide open, you would think, to a, a team deciding to wash its hands of him. But he's making the decision that this is bigger than what's going on on the field. So the timing may not be good for his career, but he's deciding to, to talk about it anyway. I think it's very clear to him, to us, that this is more important to him and who he is as a person than whether or not he's, you know, earning points as, in the pecking order of the, of the Niners roster. I mean, this is this is a, a bold move, and I, I don't – I, I saw tons of hot takes all weekend. I get it. Um, there's people – there's never been a time in our country where people seem more divided about so many things. But if you love America, you have to love the fact that what makes the country what it is is that people are allowed to coexist with completely different viewpoints. And you're allowed – by free speech to criticize them. That's right. It's the most American thing possible is to make a protest. I mean, that, that is that is America in a nutshell. And I think 
what's inarguable with this is how effective it has been. He has taken in a very simple, non-threatening gesture while hundreds of people at that stadium are probably using the bathroom during that national anthem and or talking or doing whatever during the national anthem. It's not like it's some sanctified thing that everyone has to stop for. By doing something very simple and peaceful uh, during the national anthem, he has gotten the entire country to be talking about this. Now, people aren't necessarily always talking about the um, – the actual sentiments that he's talking about, which is oppressing black people. I don't know if people have gotten into the guts of that, but for the people that are really angry with Colin Kaepernick, I'd say listen to to his press conference on Sunday. Do because you think those are the type of people who want to listen to his press conference? No. May, maybe no. not, but I think they would understand it more. And, and what I would take away from that is he was ready for everything that's coming, and he wants to talk about this and that it's all very well thought out. It's a different Colin Kaepernick because we talk about a quarterback that does not like to talk to the press. One, two-word answers. If you watch and hear what he had to say yesterday, he absolutely, this is a topic he cares about, he's thought about. We're not asking him to be a 75-year-old, wizened person that's seen the earth for what it is. It's at his age point and where he is right now at that departure point, but he was. I thought he did a good job explaining where his heart was at. It's a good point because I remember when he his star was at its apex when we covered that Super Bowl against the Ravens. He was a guy that was very shy around the media, didn't have a lot to say when everyone wanted a piece of him. So I would have never predicted four years later that he'd be in the middle of this. And one more note in terms of a little history. 20 years ago, uh, Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, uh, who's on the Denver Nuggets, uh, was suspended by the NBA for a game for refusing to stand for the national anthem before they worked out um, a compromise. I would think the NFL it would the NFL should st- give this a wide berth, put it that way. I agree with because you. Because if they, the NFL decided to get involved with this, it would cause an uproar that the league does not want anything to do with right well, now. Well, they quickly did. They released a statement which indicated to me that's his right and he can do what he wants. Shows you how much things have changed. It, yeah, that's it. It's a great point, and and I and I've heard people. I think one important thing he kept saying was that he he knows that his it's not about him that he's representing people that don't have a press conference that don't get noticed uh, if they wanted to make a stand in whatever jobs or anything that they do. He's he's representing those people. One last thing I do want to throw out there, Novara Bowman. Because uh, we do have to see how this will play in that locker room if he's going to be around, uh, told Steve Weish this weekend. Things like this break teams apart, and we can't let that happen. Colin chose to do this. We know Colin, and we support him. We don't think he's a bad teammate because he decided to vote his opinion. Basically said two different things in the course of two sentences. So that might give you an idea what Kaepernick's walking into in that locker room now. So well, it's worth something to track. It's worth pointing out that Kaepernick has not been the most popular guy in that locker room over the last few years in fact he's been a divisive force according to all the reports out there and his spot on this roster might depend on how well Christian Ponder and Jeff Driscoll play in the in the preseason finale well let's let's talk a little bit about the football of it all while while we're here because it is a fascinating story Uh, I mean I find I found the story and it and the responses to it, it it certainly was something we haven't exactly seen but from the football perspective what are the odds he's on this team in two weeks? Jay Glazer reported, you know, essentially that he might have an uphill battle even to make to make this squad. That there's two teams right now where the starting quarterbacks have not been named. The Rams, which it, it looks like Keenum, and then the 49ers. Well, Mike uh, Garofolo also reported that he's got $25 million left in insurance money, which works in the same way as 
RG3, which, which kept him on the Redskins roster last year but glued to the bench, that if Colin Kaepernick gets injured and it's an injury that carries over into 2017, then I believe the 49ers owe him $14.5 million for 2017. That's the right figure, and there would be a lot of motivation to not play a quarterback that if you watch the game over the weekend – his right. arm does not look ready for prime time on any level to me. Well, that's the thing. He doesn't have the same athleticism that, that he used to. So it's like these two different stories. The same body weight either. Two stories differently. And yet you, he was known as a divisive force in the locker room. I, I thought the way that they handled everything so far, the 49ers, Kaepernick, and the entire team has been pretty excellent. He called, he called the team meeting. They hashed it out. The most telling quote I saw from any of the teammates – was from uh, Daniel Kilgore, their offensive lineman, who said initially when he heard it, the the whole thing pissed him off. Uh, Kaepernick not standing pissed him off. It got him angry, and he said after listening to Kaepernick and understanding where he was coming from, uh, that that he respected it, that he supported it, and he thought act. And maybe this is just what players say, but he thought it had a chance to to bring them together a little bit. That they hashed it out. All right, guys. Good talk. Let's uh let's move on and get into the preseason games. Uh, all the week three recap, folks. Who's excited? Oh, yeah. I'm excited because when this preseason week three ended Sunday night, I had that last uh, Sunday night game with your boy, Mike Tarico, doing a great job. Two games this week on play-by-play. Then that was the end. That was the end of the preseason that matters. You know, we'll be covering Thursday night, but it's like, okay, we wrap that up. The next time I'm really focused in on a football game, it's one that and, matters. And since you brought up Mike Tirico, you know, we should discuss that I am not happy with the language in this contract between <laughs> the NFL and uh, su- Sunday night, Thursday night football. You don't want an angry day on NFL. Tirico should absolutely be calling that Thursday night game as much as I love Al Michaels. Give Al, who's, by the way, not for nothing, in his early 70s. Celebrated his 50th wedding anniversary yesterday. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> How do you know about his? Well, they went. Life? They went into it on the on the broadcast. Yeah. If you watch the game, they spent a few okay. minutes on yeah. it. Anyway, so Al, Al on Sundays and Tariko on Thursdays sounded great until Tariko the the torch was passed. But instead, they have Tariko in some type of host role, which just seems like a little course correction. I'm not happy about it's it. It's quickly eclipsed the Bosa thing as the worst contract <laughs> language around. Why would you not want? the best play-by-play guy that we have right now mm. doing primetime NFL games. Al Michaels. Oh, I love not, Al Michaels. I'll, I'm not I, putting him ahead of Al Michaels. I am looking They're forward. Both great. I like Al Michaels fine, but Tariko, you're talking about splitting up two broadcasts. It's a shame we don't have Tariko. Well, and, and you think about it for the fan. You know, you, you have Al Michaels, who's not going to be able to prepare as much for two games. You know, when he, That's a good just point, Greg. You could have Tariko on one. Michael's on one now. Michael's uh, got to prepare. That's the best point anyone's made. Irish, can you get um, Park Avenue on the phone? We'd like to talk to Roger by the end of the show. Efforting. All right, here we go. Let's talk about it. We'll start with uh, the New England Patriots at the Carolina Panthers, and uh, once again for the third consecutive game, uh, we can use a little thrown of sleeves for this. I think a little bit. What? That's a little bit. For the third consecutive game, Jimmy Garoppolo, slow start, didn't do much. He managed one first down. He managed a first down in just one of his first four possessions. Then Tommy Brady comes in, who's not playing uh, until week five, as we know. And, uh, Wes, the difference between the two guys. Unless, again, weeks ago, Bill Belichick was asked, is there any way Jimmy Garoppolo could stay in the lineup once Tom Brady's off suspension? The difference between these guys is stark, Wes. That was a laughable question at the time. The person who asked it should have been fired. Forth, <laughs> forthwith and without any follow-up questions. That was just a ridiculous thing to say in this game. I mean, it's only 
a couple of quarters in a preseason game without Gronk, without Danny Amendola, without some key players. But Tom Brady, at this point in his career, not known for attacking down the field, comes in and immediately his first two completions are longer than any Garoppolo completion (laughs) of the preseason (laughs) except a screen pass to James White. And I think that's very telling. It's awfully hard to get a read on Jimmy Garoppolo right now. I'm not sold on him. I don't think he's an asset for the Patriots right now. It it really was remarkable how ferocious Brady looked. The worst the worst person in America to be on Friday night was AJ Derby after he dropped a third down to kill Brady's third drive. Brady went over to the sideline looking miserable, thinking, I only got three or four drives, you know, for the next month and you're gonna ruin this, AJ Derby? You're not playing with me again. Relax, Tom. <laughs> He didn't say anything. He just, he just, he came out there and played with a regular season sort of ferocity. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You could just see. Yeah, it. I mean, is there any element to this where I'm not saying that they're keeping it under wraps for Garoppolo, but it's just that are they going to reveal much about their offense? The one thing with Garoppolo, Who knows? I mean, we don't. He doesn't have half of his weapons on the field, so it, I get the shots downfield. Nor did Brady. Brady. He so Brady's, some- but Brady's Brady, and so I mean, what Jimmy Garoppolo is a massive step down from Brady, but. Is he would you is he all right for four games for them? I mean, I don't think Philly's been a There's total again, liability. We have no idea. We, nobody you know? knows. But he he hasn't. We have some evidence. He hasn't really shown one way or another, even compared to other young quarterbacks. It's it is tough to get a feel of him. He he show it was a little jumpy. Made a it's, couple bad decisions. It's interesting that you have pointed out his quiet feet and his pocket presence when a lot of people have major issues with his pocket. La- well, he took a step back in that department. That the there's a lot. I mean, you'd be enjoying, Dan, some of the talk that's going on in New England this this week. First well, I'm sure all, they're totally saying about it. There was conspiracy theories about, you know, Brady's uh, you know, finger, uh, that he hasn't been happy with Belichick, how how this has all been handled, him coming off the bench, him not playing a lot in the preseason, blah blah. And then there's also the questions, you know, this was coming. People wondering if Jacoby Brissett, who's probably looked like the best rookie quarterback in the league. Uh, other than uh, other, I don't know, who's put up good numbers. People are saying, oh, maybe Jacoby Brissett should be starting over Jimmy Garoppolo. I love it. Oh. I lo- that is sleazy. Because <laughs> it was a bad because it was a bad That's game. throne of sleazy right there. Some hot takes. By the way, they went 2-2 two and two with Brady multiple times last couple of years. I mean, if they go 2-2 two and two with Jimmy G and Brady comes in in week five against Cleveland, I think this team's going to be just fine. No, and they, they go two and two with Garoppolo. I know you're. Then Brady comes in and he needs his two and two stretch. And all of a sudden, half the season's over and we're five hundred. I mean, oh, look out! Brady's not going to need. That's not the Brady DNA. Look out! The, look out. The trouble of caring too much about the preseason was on the other side of the ball. Think about Cam Newton's rookie quarter rookie preseason was a disaster. Think about what Cam Newton did in this game. 13 for 29 for 100 yards and two picks. And that's boosted by him staying in deep into the second half into back against backups just because they wanted to get him some positive snaps. At one point, I think it was 5 for 14 with two picks. Ron Rivera looked like he was going <laughs> to implode. He looked super upset. All right, let's move on. Let's by the way, this Pat's defense is looking pretty good. That's who needs to carry the team. Okay. Can I move on now? No. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Wait, can I move on? Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, let's move on to the Buffalo Bills and Washington Redskins, Greg. And, uh, you know, that backfield in Washington continues to look like a tire fire, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, you know, two-lane product, uh, Robert Kelly probably going to s- – could start for them week oh. one over Matt. Marron. That's, that's not ideal. That's not a good sign for them. Keith Marshall injured. That guy's always injured, first of all. Matt Jones still injured. This is this backfield is a trophy. Ryan Kerrigan need an MRI after that game. We'll see if that 
that's serious. Deshaun Jackson's had a really nice training camp overall and, and backed it up with his preseason. Looks very good. Pass rusher Preston Smith, second-year guy, looked great against the Bills. I think universally in this room we expect um, Kirk Cousins to come back down to earth. If that really happens and he has like a kind of a middling season, this offense is not going to be very good. Yeah. I mean, this is this was a weird a weird game to watch because the Bills rested so many starters. Rex always in reactive mode because he's had so many injuries this preseason. <laughs> Just like rested Rex. everyone in the third week of the preseason, which is not something you normally would do. Although I get it. And he, reg and he regretted uh, playing Tyler Ta Tyrod Taylor at all because he almost got hurt. Can I ask you a follow-up question? Sure. Is it generally a good thing when your coach in any sport is in reactive mode? <laughs> no. 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 And Rex is always that way. This feels a little fear-filled to me to suddenly sit, sit half your roster in a preseason game. It's like, you know what? You never know these guys going to get hurt. Go out and play them. They still need the experience. This was, a, this was your third game. The two teams that are the most reactive are whatever team Rex Ryan's coaching and the Dallas Cowboys. They always can't argue with that. hardcore in the offseason that they're, whatever their problems are, they will go directly at that thing and do something obvious. One, one thing I did not expect to write down uh, this year, Reggie Bush looks solid. Oh God, number here two. we go. I don't know. He's not Gale Sayers, guys. It's a little surprise. A nice little player. I'm shocked that he is their backup uh, running back. At the I, end of the line. My notes looked a little different on Reggie Bush in that game. <laughs> Still pushing that narrative out after all these years, Greg. I thought he looked like the running back version of Tony Romo. <laughs> let's uh, <laughs> let's talk about uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers and New Orleans Saints. Uh, and uh, Wes, we, you know, sometimes it makes you think the inherent uh, think of the inherent meaninglessness of our jobs because a lot of Sammy Coates posts uh, on this website and around the internet. Uh, but the, Sammy Coates wasn't much uh, part of the scheme in this third preseason game, was he? Well, if if I hear what you're saying, we should basically all take May through August, hmm. the end of August, off work. That's an old Sessler uh, idea. Well, Mark might have been on to something there because, you know, <laughs> just like our Jimmy Garoppolo analysis will be made entirely meaningless in a, in a couple weeks. <laughs> all of these Sammy Coates posts from early August have been rendered meaningless by Eli Rogers, who's running as the first-team slot receiver. I think Big Ben's first two drives were all no huddle and they were two touchdown drives. Marcus Wheaton, Antonio Brown on the outside, Eli Rogers in the slot for the entire drive. And Jesse James got pretty pretty heavily targeted as Ladarius' greens fill in as well. Mm. Worth, worth noting, Coates made a couple plays in the game, and we'll, we'll get some snaps. I think Big Ben's one of those quarterbacks that has an enormous amount of influence over who's out there with him who's out there, mm. you know, in the first string Good offense point. and who he can trust. And he's been hard on a, on a couple wide receivers over the years that if they aren't picking it up, you can kind of read through the tea leaves with Big Ben's statements about that. And Coates has been a disappointment. What a preseason. He knows how to do a preseason. He plays two drives. He gets two touchdowns. That's it. It's over. And all he, you need. And he threw almost every single snap he was on the field. They just got it over as fast as possible. The big thing I thought for the Steelers was it was nice to see Le'Veon Bell looking like Le'Veon Bell. He looked good. He looked really good. Yeah. We won't see him for a few weeks. Speaking of uh, running backs coming back from lower leg issues, uh, Chris Wesley, everybody's talking about the awakening with Kristen Michael, but you are on the hype transfer. See, CJ, CJ Spiller continues to be a guy that you're into. Well, I mean, let's see how long it lasts. He hasn't, we, he hasn't really shown 2012 Bills form in a while. He did look good the other night. He looks quicker. 
I don't blame him for last year considering he had August knee surgery and it really hindered him all throughout the season. So I am looking forward to seeing how the Saints mm. use C.J. Spiller this year. Well, people say, what can you learn from the preseason? You can learn that C.J. Spiller is going to be a big part of this offense, that he's part of their starting group. At When we went into the preseason, we didn't know if he was going to make the team. Like That's something that you can learn. We can also learn they're not health, their offensive line, the Saints, a little bit out of nowhere, but with Teron Armstead hurt is a total mess. Has been a disaster. And Breeze has been hit. I mean, you what the the game with Clowney two weeks ago is was a clinic in how to get your butt kicked if you're an offensive line. They're going to have to invent a position for Andrews Pete to play mm. because he's failed out at every position they've mm. tried him at. If Armstead isn't healthy, that the, all that fun skill position talk we've talked about or I've talked about for New Orleans kind of falls apart. How about we trade Pete for Luke Jokel? <laughs> Will that accomplish anything? Well, did you watch Luke Joke at guard, which we can get into down the road, but that had problems. little guard talk coming up later in the show. <laughs> Cleveland and Tampa Bay. Mark Cecil, Josh Gordon. Forget about Russ. This guy looks like the guy that tore up the league a couple of years ago. The Browns are a very weird team. I mean, it's there should be something disturbing about the fact that someone that has not played in a year and a half was immediately the best player on your roster. <laughs> but Gordon looked <laughs> immense. He looked fantastic on two big catches. But... For me, if, if you're a Bucks fan, you have to be happy with what Jameis Winston did against this defense. It was not a perfect game, and it hasn't been a perfect game for Jameis Winston in the per per perfect preseason form in general, but he carved up a wanting Browns defense, one that I think could be one of the worst in the league. And the Browns on offense, the only way they have to counter is these big shots downfield. There's, they had eight quarterback sacks. They were wrecked. RG3 is not going to stay on two feet if that continues. They have no sustaining ground game. And really the only thing that you see is that it's Terrell Pryor or Gordon or fill in the blank going 35 yards down the field once or twice a game. That's Wait, what not happened? offense. I just drafted Duke Johnson. Isn't he going to be a part of this offense? Yeah. I think Duke Johnson – can be a nice part of it, but uh, but there's no fear if you're facing the Browns. He's he he's not going to unless things just change. Their offensive line looks very bad. I'm to get, me, very incomplete. I'm getting a, a Rex vibe though from Hugh Hugh uh, Jackson when he was asked at halftime about the game. He starts talking about not picking up third downs. This or that. I'm like, who? The the offense isn't your problem. First of all, they did some nice things on offense. It wasn't really their fault that they were way behind. The defense is their problem. You know, he needs to be just as focused as that because they have those weapons you talked about. That's a nice group. I mean, that is a monster wide receiver. They have the two biggest wide receivers in the league, and then you have Coleman and Barnage with them and a couple decent running backs. They've got weapons, good. but I don't, I don't like any offense in the league where you can't run the ball at all. And all we've seen so far is Isaiah Crowell with the occasional decent run. Throw this out there. Maybe Duke Johnson isn't a pro bowler. We'll see. I just, he, I'm just, he I just, I feel like right now we're hedging our bets here. I thought he was going to be. A I like Duke year. Johnson I've making never, the leap. He's like a poor man's Gio Bernard. I think he'll be a uh, similar, but uh, more physical. Can we Gio talk about the Bucks for a minute? I would like to. I was just going to set up one thing. Roberto Aguayo, big day for the rookie kicker, second round pick. Uh, hit all six of his kicks, three extra points and three field goals. That is, people like to marginalize the kicker, but that is a big storyline for Tampa, who. We're heading into a pot potential nightmare scenario of this guy being a huge bust and them having egg all over their face. What else was? Yeah, that was good to see for a guy like that who was already embattled to, to work his way out of it. But that pass rush in Tampa, which we haven't seen in years, 
when I did most improved position groups, I had to shoehorn the Bucks in there because they looked so good in training training camp in the first preseason games, and then eight sacks. Noah Spence looks like a first year difference maker for them. And I, they also the Bucks on offense they ran hurry up nearly the entire first half, and it and it fit very well with Jameis Winston. They're fun to watch. I they mean, were. Watch that Jameis Winston highlights package, and it's hard not to be a Jameis Winston fan when you watch that. He reminds me so much of Ben Roethlisberger when he was younger. Okay, let's talk about Green Bay and San Francisco. Oh, I am excited about the Packers offense being back to what they were, and maybe better. You know why? Because not only do you have Aaron Rodgers uh, back with a healthy Randall Cobb and Eddie Lacy got his weight down and Jordy Nelson's back, but, Greg, Jared Cook... Let's play a little over-under game with Jared Cook. You ready? Okay. Tight end, of course. He's bounced around the league. High on talent. High on mistakes. High on mistakes. A flawed player, but everyone's always wondered what if you gave him a good quarterback. Now he's got the best. 60 receptions. They believe that would be a career high. Yeah. That would definitely be a career high. When you play with the quarterbacks he's played with, that doesn't surprise me. I'll go under. I'm going to go under. Barely. 900 He's yards. Under. Under. He spent his whole career in, in, with Jeff Fisher. I think he's going to be a big part of this Seven offense. touchdowns. Under. Under. So but I'm high on him. I think okay. he's a 650, 700 yards. Just not a Pro Bowl guy. But that's a big addition if with, they can get that out of him. With as many weapons as they have, they don't need him to catch 900 yards and 60 passes. And he can still have a big influence on the offense. And, and it wouldn't surprise me if he went over on some of those. Because they don't, they don't really have that third receiver that's – stepped up and maybe he's that guy i'm gonna look at jermichael finley's final year before before the knee before the uh neck injury well jared cook's not jermichael finley well i'm just out of curiosity when they had a a tight end they could believe in 61 catches on 88 targets 667 yards yeah i could see something like that two touchdowns he had eight touchdowns the year before that so that's just gonna make that offense even harder to if they can get a guy that can make some plays it's it's my goodness he stretches the seam um, and also, Greg, from that game, um, there are no skill players in San Francisco. San Francisco is in a bad way. Man. Got your boy Ooh. Jeremy Curley through a trade. Yeah, well, that that should solve everything. <laughs> well, that reeks of desperation. That's a bad sign for Bruce Ellington, who hurt his hamstring in that game. Shocking. That indicates that maybe he's not going to be back on the field. I mean, Gabbert, Gabbert just is kind of there, and he's just that being there is better than. The rest of the guys. Who's the third-string quarterback that's definitely going to play this year? Jeff Driscoll. Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing him. Have you watched Connor him Orr's in the preseason? Boy. I'm not sure no. how much you should be excited about him. We're going to yeah. see a lot of quarterbacks. In I don't even remember this game, point. but I wrote down playing a lot worse than the numbers indicate for Driscoll, and his <laughs> numbers were bad. So, And just another landing spot for Geno Smith, potentially, to, to resurrect That one career. I could see. You know what? That one I that's could depressing. see. That one makes a <laughs> wow. little bit of sense. Uh, because what are they trying to do right now? <laughs> Moving on. Well, did you? Was there a second after that? No, that's no. it. I mean, why not? <laughs> why not? What's the square root of boring? The Chiefs and Bears. Speaking of boring, um, Mark, business as usual with Alex Smith, who is effective. They're not going to get you excited, but they look like they're ready for the season, don't they? Well, I think it's, you know, with they did a lot of very Alex Smithy-ish type things, and they were efficient. Smithy-ish. And they completely dominated the Bears. And one of the reasons is that, I mean, give me a break. First four drives for Cutler, four punts, including three straight, three and outs, and a strip sack to end the half. The Bears have literally, unless they are absolutely into hiding everything from us until September, zero identity on offense. 
zero. The only chance they had all half for a big play was a horrible drop by Alshon Jeffrey downfield. There, it, it is almost as if, and we've seen this, Wes and I were talking about this on Saturday, with John Fox, occasionally the game plan is simply lose 20 to nothing because we saw it against the Seahawks <laughs> last year, and it is as if they came into this game having done literally zero planning at all, and it showed. And the poor people in Chicago that paid money for tickets to this ridiculous affair should all be getting the refunds back. It was a joke of a game for the Bears. If there's anybody who should be giving up a mid-round pick for a punter, it's John Fox, who sometimes sometimes decides going into a game he's just going to punt the entire game. Mm. I, I think Kevin White's struggles is one of the big stories of the preseason. They threw the ball to him, I think, eight times this preseason, and those eight throws gained 12 yards. The only time they could get him the ball were those quick, quick outs where he gains three yards. He doesn't look like he knows where to go. Jay Cutler called him out for that. And Jay Cutler sort of passively, impl aggressively implied, like, we're just putting this guy out there before he's really ready, that he's out there, he doesn't know what to do. It's a problem. When when people were talking, ooh, you know, Jeffrey White, and White right now looks like he's going to be hurting that offense, not helping. One thing on the Chiefs real quick. I am on board with Greg. This is We've got a career year for Alex Smith coming. I know. Wow. I'm. What is a career year from Alex Smith, by the way? What are we talking? Let's, let's look at his stats real quick. I'd say 25 passing touchdowns, maybe five rushing. I I think I think it, it just kind of hit me. Andy Reid's been coaching his ass off. Whatever the, the ceiling for this offense and Alex Smith and this team is, I think they're going to hit it. I think he's in year four. There's so much continuity. They have Conley. They have Kelsey. They have Charles coming back. I just think Alex Smith, however he's well never, he can play, he's going to play that well. He's never passed for three – 3,500 yards or more than 23 touchdowns in a season. In this offense, Macklin mm. has looked very good this preseason. Yep. Conley has made plays, and they didn't even have anything at wide receiver two seasons ago. There are more weapons here. Kelsey, throw them into the mix. There are more big plays happening, not 88-yard sizzlers down the, down the sideline, but he's making chunk plays down the field. And their second-round rookie, I believe, Chris Jones, has been killing it this preseason. Great pick by them. And I, I think Reed is one of the more underrated offensive coaches the last 20 years, and I think it really helped him to not be the GM. He's a great example, and he's talked about it. And listening to John Dorsey talk on these telecasts, he seems, I don't know, he just seems like a very smart GM. It's a nice combination there. Uh, let's move on to Detroit and Baltimore. And Chris Wessling, Joe Flacco made his debut uh, in the preseason, 11 of 16, uh, coming back from that ACL tear. That he's not 100%, but he looked like he's ready to go, right? He's got eyes for Mike Wallace. You can see that right on the first couple of drives. And my takeaway continues to be it's only a matter of time before Terrence West takes Justin Forsett's starting job. There is a mountain of difference, not only between the way West ran his first couple of years in the league and, and how he's running now, but also between how he's running and how Justin Forsett's running. West is exploding through the holes. He's decisive, one cut and downhill, which is exactly what you want to see out of your running backs. I think Forsett had a chance to be cut if Kenneth Dixon didn't hurt his knee in this game, and he's now out a month, and so now they don't quite have the same depth they had a week ago. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been surprised for you to be right and that West would have been the starter. On the Detroit side of the ball, West Amir Abdullah uh, got his first action of the preseason, and he showed you enough with that injured shoulder, right? Well, I think there was the one play where he got to the edge and, and hit the pylon for a, about a 20-yard touchdown run. Didn't do much other than that because their offensive line still doesn't open many holes. Hmm. And, by the way, we have our first uh, 
sandwich wager closed for the 2016 season. Oh, please. Not happy about this, but, uh, you know, a wager is a wager, and Benjamin Watson tore his Achilles out for the year. And you will eat well because of it. <laughs> Listen, I'm not excited about it. Well, just, you know we just, what? It's just a matter of bookkeeping, that's all. I think next time I do some, like, mid-August <laughs> over-under sandwich bet with you, who's won, like, seven sandwiches me off this, at this point, is if they, if they go into the season with a broken bone or ripped up tendon, the bet is off. I mean, they've got to be healthy starting week one. I would, but the language was actually baked into the wager. We talked about it specifically. No, it's on me. I should have I mentioned this, but, I mean, right. I, you know, it's, it's poor. Do you uh, want me to – I could. I'll, I'll wash my hands. If I get the, if I oh. take it in the standings, I don't need the sandwich. No, next time. Next <laughs> okay. time, I'll buy you a giant sandwich for you to eat. Enjoy yourself. <laughs> Moving on. Now that is some. That's some quiet storm right there. I enjoyed it. Uh, moving on to the Philadelphia Eagles in Indianapolis Colts. Wes, you wrote in our what we learned. You've heard the story before. The Colts got pushed around on both sides of the line of the scrimmage. Is this the softest team in football? Don't we ask that every year? They're incredibly soft. They've lacked backbone throughout the Pagano, Grigson era, and it looks like they're going to again because the defense, I don't even know if they have any starters left. They're all injured. And the offensive line, they've drafted nine offensive linemen in the past four years. Mm. And the facts – That's crazy. The facts remain that Andrew Luck has been hit more than any quarterback since he entered the league and that Vic Ballard's 105-yard effort in December of 2012 remains the lone 100-yard rushing game of the Andrew Luck era. The only thing I – Oh, my God, he's been in the league so long. Five years. That's insane, that stat. Oh. They played a very good defense in this game. Yes. But when you watch other teams around the league, like the Titans, for instance, completely reorganize their offense in one offseason, and you look at how many chances Ryan Grigson has had to build both lines on this or team, Chuck Pagano. and they are worse than ever, it is mysterious You know who's running their offensive it's line t- now? Who? Your boy Philbin. Joey F? Joey That's P? Right. Joey P is running the Colts' offensive line Making right sure now. everybody's shoes are and, tied and, and he there's has no gum a, on the he toe. He has a great reputation. He was the Packers' offensive line coach is what got him the Dolphins' job. But this is going to be a hard – I mean – Well, the two guys they thought they can count on, Muhort is now out a month, and their left tackle, Costanza, who has a big money deal, was ter- has been terrible in the preseason is coming off a maybe bad year. Maybe it doesn't mean anything. Maybe Costanza will be fine. But Maybe, the, but this is the team. Every year there is a team that's so bad in the preseason that can't do anything at all, that everything is so wrong that it actually does carry over into the regular season. And to me, the Colts are that team. Um, it's hiding that Andrew Luck looks nothing like 2015 Andrew Luck now. He looks like 2014 Andrew Luck, and you don't get to see it because of that offensive line. On the other side, uh, Philadelphia, their wide receiver group continues to be hard to make sense of. Well, Chris Givens started this game and then was cut the next day. <laughs> that is not a good situation. Josh Huff, who seems to drop a pass per game, was their most productive wide receiver. Nelson Aguilar, who seems to be locked into the number two job, dropped a pass that became an interception. And Doriel Green-Beckham is used exclusively in the end zone. It's not good. I, <laughs> I enjoyed how um, – apoplectic the Colts announcers were in this game. They were totally Venturi. They were totally <laughs> existential existentially like just dread. Here are some actual quotes. That flag was our best play. Here's a, is there a woodshed we can take these guys to? <laughs> what? And, and then my favorite what? one, we're losing the edge. There is no edge. That got me. That got me really, really veering away from the local pom pom carrying announcers. The most of these. Well, it's kind of the flip games. side of that. Yeah, it's the flip side of that. <laughs> I think ninety percent of Indianapolis has seen enough of Ryan Grigson. 
That's fair. That's fair. All right, moving on. Uh, the Snoopy Bowl, guys. It stays with the Giants or goes to the Giants. I don't remember who won last year. <laughs> but, and that's saying something, uh, let's talk about the Giants first. It's uh, not a pretty game for either side, uh, but – Victor Cruz played, didn't do much, but he didn't get hurt again. That's good. I'd be worried if I'm a Giants fan right now, and I know, um, Wes, you think Eli could have his best year ever offensively, and that's certainly – all this could be washed away once the season starts, but they have not looked good. The Jets' defense really made uh, Eli and the first-team Giants' defense look bad. Uh, a lot of that had to do with um, uh, Mo Wilkerson, who looked dominant at the line of scrimmage. Uh, but I think the the Giants have a lot of work to do on the offensive side of the ball, so uh, that's what I took away from them. And on the Jets' side, uh, Wilkerson looked great, and Calvin Pryor is a guy to keep an eye on. He he made uh, ODB make a uh, business decision on a play over the middle. He had a sack where he just crushed uh, Eli Manning. He made six tackles. Uh, he was all over the field. I think he could be a making-the-leap type guy. Mm. And finally, Christian Hackenberg. Um, up and down. I think his numbers were pretty bad, 6 of 16. But he came in on his first possession and after a drop and um, an incomplete pass, completed four consecutive passes, including a touchdown that showed different levels of throws. He's not going to play any meaningful snaps, but it was good to see something positive from the kid. He also threw an interception that essentially ended the game, but that's what happened at the Meadowlands. Was this easily, since we've been employed at NFL yes. Media now, I mean, a lot of people don't even know what the Snoopy Bowl is, but – by far the dullest of Snoopy Bulls. I tried to watch this this morning on Game Pass and had to get multiple cups of coffee just <laughs> to keep my eyes open during this. Outside of Pryor, who you're right, he looks like a badass. I will say that Rex Ryan, the Jets were ready to move on from Rex Ryan, so were the fans, but the Snoopy Bowl isn't the same anymore without Rex. <laughs> because Which, if that's the biggest loss, you know, you're fine. The but. Snoopy Bowl, th this game means nothing. It's really for little kids to go to the preseason game and all their friends and stuff. That's how I view the game. But when Rex did it, because he was so insane that he took that game so seriously, <laughs> leading to that infamous press conference after he got Sanchez killed uh, by a seventh-string offensive line, and he went off saying, we won the game, we won the Snoopy Bowl. I miss that, just for yeah. you know, entertainment value. Wes, you might remember when Jerry Glanville, back I think in the early 90s, at one point his Atlanta Falcons played two or three teams from California that season, and he had the audacity to wheel a California trophy down the field, and it was before they played <laughs> the Niners, I believe, Stupid. and the Niners went out and whipped the Falcons like 50-3, to three. but it was like until Rex Ryan, there was no one doing this, wheeling trophies for ridiculous oh, reasons up and down fields. I hated Jerry Glanville <laughs> with a passion as a Bengals fan back in those days, but the world, the football world needs a Jerry Glanville yeah. type of figure. Right, that's why I still believe, well, you know, when Rex and Robert gone, we'll miss him. Maybe we're absolutely Ill. we were sick of them now, but I'll, I'll grant you this. If my if I wasn't tasked with covering the game, I would find Rex Ryan a lot mm. more amusing. I'd agree. It, gotcha. I, and I, I don't think we're ever getting rid of Rex and Rob. I think they're lifers. I mean, they might not be head coaches, That's but they'll they be in the league. They'll yeah. be but in Rex the league running forever. a defense again and, and he'll be fun to cover. Um, one other thing on the Jets, Ryan Fitzpatrick has not looked great. And I wonder how much that is due to the fact that he's you know not that great. What about that strip sack? Yeah, I mean it was yeah, well, not a good look. Well, I like the I like the cojones on Ryan. Only Ryan Fitzpatrick would try to stiff arm <laughs> Jonathan Hankins, a 350 pound man, with his left hand while he's holding the ball with his right hand, and then attempt to throw. I mean, he's an insane person. <laughs> he missed, he missed. 
you know, he went to Harvard. You'd think right. he'd make smarter risk. decisions. Uh, but Don't he say. did. He threw a touchdown. He didn't throw an interception in the playoff in the preseason, but it was kind of like last year where maybe he should have had several interceptions. Uh, he's looked rusty. He missed open guys. I need him to get sharper. We'll see what happens. Moving on, the Tennessee Titans and Oakland Raiders and. Uh, this guy, as I said on the pod a couple of weeks ago, I thought he had a retirement press conference, and I thought that there were a lot of his ex-teammates were there, and I thought it was like a real a lot of pop and circumstance. But Andre Johnson's still in the league, <laughs> now in the tit- Titans, and he's working with the first-team offense and making some plays for Tennessee, Chris Wessling. If the Snoopy Bowl was the most boring game of the weekend, this might have been the most exciting. This Titans team is fun to watch. Andre Johnson played quite a bit with the first-team offense. Tajay Sharp, I think, is locked in. I think Rashard Matthews is locked in. Andre Johnson, for what it's worth, played ten more snaps than Rashard Matthews with the first team. That I don't know if that was I weird. don't know if that means anything or not. Rashard Matthews has been running in that number number one two spot for all of camp, and Kendall Wright still hasn't played at all in the preseason for, from a hamstring injury. So we'll see how that wide receiver order pe- shapes out. I think Sharp is locked in though. Oh yeah. And Wes, you are all the way back in on DeMarco Murray. You wrote in our recap and our what we learned, the Titans could boast the league's most unstoppable backfield tandem this season, uh, pairing of course with the rookie Derrick Henry. All the way back. Ask David Amerson, the Raiders cornerback if DeMarco Murray's back. He put an open field cut on Amerson that left him just a mess, a puddle of mud on the on the field. He he did, and yet I don't know if he's the best running back on this roster. I mean, oh, I don't think he is. Derrick Henry would be this year's Doug Martin if not uh, if not for the guy in front of him, Demarco Murray. If not for Kristen Michael in Seattle, he has been so impressive. It's it's almost I don't know. It's almost hard to believe. I just want to see it. You want some? Keep going. You want some fantasy advice? This is for people that aren't in leagues with like total football heads that that have watched the preseason. But I talked to two friends this weekend who did drafts, and in neither draft was Tajay Sharp drafted because Mm. your average just jumping in guy who does other things and doesn't watch a lot of football has never heard of Tajay Sharp, and he picked him off off waivers for free. I so if you're in one of those leagues, I got know, him in the 15th field. round. Yeah, that's the fantasy corner. Better late than ever. On well, the I'm, fantasy I'm not corner. talking to the three of you because you're super savvy, <laughs> but just the guy out there doing regular drafts. Make sure he go, he gets picked. You're paying it forward. Yeah. <laughs> Another takeaway. I was already headed this way last year, but Marcus Mariota, my favorite quarterback to watch. If you see that open field option play, that's a thing of beauty. Are yeah. we worried that he's going to get hurt doing too many of these running plays? He was beat up last year. I think every time he got beat up last year was because his right tackle whiffed on us mm. on a block. I I mean I'm got the coach fired. The Titans are getting. It's hard to resist the Titans right now. I mean they are they are fun. Prettiest girl at the ball at the ball. Well, I I'd argue you know Mariota and Winston they both might be set up for monster. It's almost an underplayed story that these two guys. You know a lot of talk about the rookie quarterbacks this year. The two rookies from last year could both be awesome. Yes. Moving on. Gentlemen, the L.A. Rams and Denver Broncos played football. Uh, Jared Goff still not ready, Mark, right? It's not even close. Yeah, I think it's not close. And I, you know, this is another example of the whispers that you hear for months creeping into complete reality because Goff, to me, there was something going on with him where one ball after the next, he was throwing to people, got the, the target, the wide receiver, the tight end, crushed by people. Hospital balls that the ball placement was an issue. He just looks to me kind of someone who's when you're underwater and you can't move instinctively. And it's like whether it's uh, there was a third down where he's 
sliding for less, way less yardage than needed. And it's just he's not all there. He seemed to me to be mentally slow. And let's talk about how fragile he looks. I mean, he looks like if Sam Bradford went on like a three-week juice fast. <laughs> and then you put him out there against the defense. Like, what? I mean, I just be very concerned well, about him physically. Let's not get – it's not all dire news. I agree I with you. I don't think he looks I, good at all. His biggest problem is what you said that – it's all – he's computing right now. You can see the thought process happening instead of being instinctual. And once he gets, you know, once he gets prepared to play in the NFL, you could see some of those physical gifts well, but coming out. Can't you see, to Mark's point, the article next May saying, you know, Jared Goff has built up 15 pounds of muscle. Quote, I, you know, I realized once I got into the league that, you know, my, my body, I thought I was prepared, but I just wasn't prepared enough. I didn't have enough strength. <laughs> he hasn't made it through two of the three performances. He, probably, he, he has been taken out early in two out of three games. Probably weighs 70 pounds more than Colin, Colin Kaepernick right now. <laughs> I think you're right, though. He's probably set up for a second-year jump, depending on how much we see from him this year, because he's just not ready for prime time yet. Well, you you mentioned hospital balls. He literally, I, I believe Farrell Cooper hurt his shoulder on one of those uh, passes, and he's probably going to miss week one now. Their number three receiver. By the way, I just want to double back real quick because I don't want to shortchange any team. But, uh, Wes, with the Raiders, Latavius Murray was their main guy last year. It could be a little different this year, huh? Yeah, I think so. And I think that the Raiders talked about this most of the offseason, that they wanted a compliment to him. I mean, I am not sold that Latavius Murray is a good running back. And I don't know if the Raiders are either. DeAndre Washington, whom they, whom they drafted in the fifth round, looked really good. And Jalen Richard, who – or is it pronounced Richard? Jalen Richard. I, I barely ever heard Jardy. of him before this game, and he looked great. I Their mean, they barely didn't. They basically didn't play Murray in this game. Well, I think it was because they want to see between Washington and Richard which one's going to be their number two, and it could turn out that both of them eat into Murray's workload. Richard has been the coaching staff has been raving about him all month, and and they play uh, Olawale, who's underrated. I think he's a good fullback, and they use him as a tailback too. Between all those guys, I think it adds up to don't touch Latavius Murray in your fantasy draft. And moving back to L.A. and Denver, but let's stay in the backfield because uh, rookie Devontae Booker uh, looks like the number two running back. Where does that leave Ronnie Hillman, guys? Well, I think Ronnie Hillman, you know, depending on what, what they really want to do with each of these guys, that Ronnie Hillman is, was a potential cut candidate. And as you look at his contract, he's a one-year deal with the Broncos right now. C.J. Anderson is their absolutely number one guy, no questions asked. And I think that Booker has shown himself to be easily – better than Ronnie Hillman this preseason. Booker is an interesting running back who's only going to see more and more time with this offense. Ronnie Hillman may be your week one starter for the Washington Redskins. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, I think that he Possibly. could be easily be moved. He had, a, he had a couple nice runs in this game, but he's so clearly not their number two person. There's no questions asked at this point. By the way, I think, I think watching this game, Case Keenum, he knows what he's doing. He's, yes, he does. He's yep. crazy like a fox. He he knows all I needed to do this preseason was not make turnovers, and I can just keep this job. Like, I'm not going to be too risky. I'm not going to be crazy Case Keenum. I'm just going to let everyone see what this rookie looks yeah, like, go, and I'm just going to do nothing. Go like 8 of 14 for 76 yards, and you are Jeff Fisher fever dream territory right there. <laughs> he loves it. It's an excellent plan until you're playing the Seahawks defense <laughs> right. when it matters. Right. By the way, big week, speaking of the Rams for hard knocks, who they, they are threatening – uh, to have a bottom third all-time season <laughs> for the series. Let's I'm just threatening keep it, not to watch it. Yeah, let's just keep it real here, Greg. I know you don't like any type of criticism about the show, but we got to be fair. I, I think that's, they need a big show. I think that's true, but it's kind of like when The Sopranos were on. I'll take the worst episode of The Sopranos over just about anything else that's on. I am not so saying still that. Make, it still makes me happy. I'm just saying whether it wants to be 
a top five or bottom five all time hard knock season. We're gonna episode oh. four on Tuesday is gonna be a big well, top five. I, I agree with you. I watched. I've w- I'm caught up, and I I agree with that take. They had there's some pressure on them. Could be I bottom agree. three. Let's keep no, it real. I agree. I agree with you. Let's see. I'm not counting it out yet. You know. It's like picking the best, you know, and worst Tom Brady seasons. Why are you even gonna have a worst? <laughs> that was the year after he blew out his knee. <laughs> you know uh, the best part about all the stuff you guys are talking about. Oh, what's up, Irish? You can't. <laughs> oh, hey, Dan. <laughs> what's going on? The best part is there's NFL Game Pass where you can go back oh, and watch right. these games. Uh, we were told we need to organically work in. We already well, that did. was organic. We already did, even without even you noticing. We said that we should go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start a free day, free seven-day trial, uh, bullet point live out-of-market preseason games, bullet point game replays during the regular season. We said all that? And what you want to do all is that, you want to watch that Game Pass. You want to dial up the Tennessee Titans. There you go. There you go. How you like that, Shadowly League figures? Keep tying cement. Hey, here's a right. fact. Give us back some pon pon pon. Here's a fact. There's maybe not an NFL product that exists that we've used more over the years than NFL Game Pass. That's fair, dog. Uh, moving on, San Diego and Minnesota. Teddy Bridgewater didn't play in week two of the preseason. People were wondering, ooh, what's going on with that? But he looked okay, Mark, didn't he, this week? <laughs> yes, <laughs> Still in did. my uh, ad reading uh Mentality. Yes, that was that was nice. I think the highlight for him was a he ran a very nice two minute drill right before the half where he hit Charles Johnson for 19 yards. It's all people saying that Teddy Bridgewater can't throw the ball downfield. Hits uh, Diggs for 22, then Kyle Rudolph for a 27 yard touchdown. One, two, three. Now I think with the with the Vikings, they seem like a team to me that wants to win games 17 to 14. I mean, they had two failed red zone drives that went into field goal territory because of Bridgewater to some degree. So I think Bridgewater is still a – I still think he's a work in progress, but there's a lot around him, and they're the kind of team, their defense outside of – their run defense, a little concerning, but the Vikings, I do think they're a very complete team with a lot of big issues. Your yep. NFC, your NFC. They pick. are my team in the You're NFC. darling. I mean, they're – I'm a little concerned, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go that way. Stefan Diggs certainly looks like Bridgewater's go-to guy. Yeah, well, Treadwell has not really – played that role. Treadwell had a nice catch uh, later in the game. Um, but, yeah, I'd say Diggs is this number one guy. And on the San Diego side, you know, Spice Rack Redemption Tour, um, he gets up back on this podcast if Melvin Gordon runs for 1,000 yards this season. It's going to happen. Mark. I think it might. Are we going to hear from Spice Rack again? On I think the show? it might. I mean, he's got the – he had a nice, like, a 39-yard burst up the middle for a touchdown. We've seen the big plays from Gordon – you know, time and again. I don't know about him as every single carry. There's a couple carries with him where what happened right there, but he's he's not the guy from last year. They, they're trusting him more to make those plays. Big big week uh, for Spice Rack. Got mentioned by Evan Silva. Maybe not uh, the most positive. Gordon with the long touchdown. And Jonathan Williams, his sleeper, had a long touchdown too. That's Calvin true. Gordon's not the tiptoe burglar anymore. Mark, you like that new uh, facility up there in Minneapolis? Yeah, I mean, speaking of Game Pass, my I judge games generally on do I would have to watch this again? Is it just hard on the eyes? And I for being what's it's not a dome, it's a enclosed but very tons of natural light. The field looks good. There's good energy in there. I'm a big um, fan of that that stadium. Much more light, not nearly as dank as most domes. Not at all. It's hard to make a, a football stadium unique, and this one looks pretty it's, cool. I mean. You know, sometimes they, oh, you get a Super Bowl because you just built a new stadium. Well, this one looks like this will be fun to go to. But are there live out-of-market preseason games available, Game Pass? <laughs> that uh, uh, someone else can answer. I think no. there are. There are. 
Absolutely. What is it? What a live out of game market? What does that even mean? No, like if you're in LA, can you watch the Vikings? Oh, please, of course you could. Against the Packers in Minnesota, of course you could, unless you true? signed up for that's the a live that out of market preseason game. Oh, preseason game only. <laughs> game replays during the regular season, so you can't watch it live. But Monday morning, start firing away. I mean, if we get a sponsor, the spots will be this smooth yes. and this, you know. Well, Rusty, you never get us any ads. We got check with McDonald's and everybody's flying high. You know, fly boys all over the place. Cinder blocks. You know, we got nothing. We got cinder blocks. All right, keep moving. We will get through this. Arizona <laughs> yeah. at Houston. We're still doing this? Yes, Carson Palmer <laughs> threw more interceptions. <laughs> You're not worried about it, though, Greg, are you? Now, let's move on to the regular season. A couple tip passes. He had a nice drive. And the, and the Cardinals, they owned it. They didn't care about the preseason. They said they weren't taking it seriously. So well, I'm not going to take it seriously either. We're going to give Arians, Bruce Arians the benefit of the doubt. Bruce Arians handed over play calling to Harold Goodwin right. for most of the month. Let's, you can't judge anything. Not, it, I totally agree. I'm not worried. David Johnson looked good. They did make a nice drive when they needed to. I think the Texans probably feel good. Uh, that they had such a positive game. If I was concerned about the Cardinals, it would definitely be on defense, not on offense anyways, especially at cornerback. They lost Mike Jenkins for the season, and uh, the Texans carved them up. What are you laughing at? Well, it's at? the first game that Brock Osweiler looked. <laughs> I thought this was supposed to be quick. Somewhat Never thought Mike Jenkins <laughs> was going to make the team in the first place. Bruce Arians literally said he might start last week. Yeah, uh, several guys might start, just like Geno Smith might have started for a while. Any comments, <laughs> by the way, about the um, Houston quarterback situation? He had a nice game going deep down the field. I think his first won't even nice say his game, game is like Bill Parcells talking about Brock Osweiler. Oh, what about Tom Savage? Oh. Is real. He's, he's looked good this preseason. Tom Savage is real. Tom Savage is real. Finally, Cincinnati and Jacksonville. Uh, oh, by the way, just one more uh, point. This last bit. Uh, Harold Goodwin was given play calling duties for Arizona, as you said. Every week of the preseason, they've been giving play-calling duties to a different Harold. Week one, it was Harold Ramis. Week two, it was yeah. Harold Baines. Harold Baines? Wow. Yeah. What? Yeah. One of the greatest designated hitters in history. Next, what? Week four, they're out of Harold's. So. Harold Reynolds? Harold Reynolds, week mm. four, HR. Finally. A very odd decision by the Cardinals. Cincinnati and Jacksonville. A.J. Green hurt his knee. He's okay. Andy Dalton looks okay. He's good. Or is he, Greg? I didn't take much of anything from this game. I like Blake Bortles' uh, interview with Michelle Tavoya. That was my favorite part of the game. Dan, oh, I do believe, we have that? I believe that you you wrote a thing about that. I did write it on the end around. Let's hear what Bortles had to say about the Jacksonville offense, which had really played well the first two weeks but came down to earth only a couple of first downs and a half. Uh, well, we played pretty bad. Um, you know, I don't think they did a whole lot of things to stop us. We played pretty bad uh, at every position, and usually that's what happens when you play bad. Uh, you don't score a lot of points. That made That's me, it. That made me like Blake a little more. Yeah, he's keeping it real. Made me like him. I think Greg is. You're underselling the Bengals a little bit. They looked very sharp last night. They looked incredible. No team could survive as many significant injuries as they've had this preseason. They've had about as many injuries as anyone, and yet their roster's so deep it hasn't hasn't hurt them. All right, that was week three recap. We won't go as in depth uh, with week four, but since it was the dress rehearsal, as they call we it, definitely will not go game by game with week four. No, we promise you, we will not go week uh, week by week. By the way, when game by game, but on Wednesday, uh, the entire show will be dedicated to the rest of our AFC preview. <laughs> so stay tuned for 
around the majority of the AFC in 42 minutes coming up on Wednesday show. Because <laughs> we already did the AFC East. We did the East. Now we're going to knock out those last three divisions. Uh, and next week, our sandwich props and all sorts of fun. Uh, oh, and before we go, what was that, Irish? Uh, I was just reminding you that we didn't get our type 54. Oh. What do we have? Where are we at? Just a smidgen over at 113. <laughs> Could that be because of the 25-minute game pass uh, spot that we were asked to do? That would be a good boogeyman, but no. It's just that we can't stop talking. Hey, there's always the next show. We've turned into what we what we didn't want to be. Yep. Just a bunch of over bloviators. Overpaid bloviators. Line up sponsors. Part of that is true. <laughs> All right, that's it. This is Dan Hansa signing off for the Quiet Storm, the Mailman, the Boss, La Cidin, Irish behind the glass. Till Wednesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.